anyways, well, if you got your Bible, we're going to be in two different places this morning. We're going to be continuing uh, with uh, a the spinoff series we started last week called Genuine Faith. And uh, this is coming from that story in, in John chapter 4 where uh, the official goes to Jesus and uh, he's asking Jesus to heal his son. And what we see in that story is we see an act of genuine faith from this royal official who's truly seeking Jesus, not as the as the uh, person who performs tricks, but as uh, someone who can truly help and save. And so uh, from that, we are going to be looking at different Old Testament stories where we see genuine faith on display, both on the act of faithfulness from the individuals who are following after the Lord, but also God himself. And so uh, we're going to be looking at a few of those, but this morning we're going to be looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac. So uh, if you're familiar with that story, this is a story that, that comes to mind for me when I think about people and genuine faithfulness. Uh, there are a lot of other stories like this, but this story is referenced several different places in the New Testament in talking about what genuine faith looks like. So I'm excited to walk through this with you this morning. But before we get to that story... Uh, I'd like us to look at a little bit of a framework of what we can see in the faithfulness that Abraham had in this moment and the faithfulness that Isaac had. And so we're actually going to be starting in James 2 and then transitioning to Genesis 22. So if you've got your Bibles, just go ahead and earmark those two places. We're going to be in James 2 first, and then we're going to flip over and we'll be in Genesis 22. So it's James 2 and Genesis 22. So turn me to James chapter 2, we'll be in verses 14 through 26 as we get this framework together for uh, this story of genuine faithfulness this morning. James 2, 14 through 26 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them what the things needed for the body. What good is it? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons shudder, or even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, what faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Will you pray with me this morning as we look at these passages? Lord, we thank You for today. God, we thank You for allowing us to come here and freely worship You. Father, we pray as we look at this text and and look at genuine faithfulness, God, that we would just assess our own hearts. And God, ask ourselves, are we 
truly being faithful to you. God, does our life mark someone who truly trusts you and God, whose life reflects that of one who has faith? God, I pray that you would help us to do a thorough assessment of hearts this morning and God, to also see in this text why we can trust you. Father, you put on display over and over and over and over again, God, you are faithful in every step of the way, even when we fail you, God, even when we fall short, God, you are faithful through and through. And God, I pray this morning as we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, God, that our focus is drawn to what you would have for us this morning. God, whatever walk in life we are in right now, Father, whether we are, we've walked with you for a long time, or God, we're newly walking with you, God, or maybe we haven't started that journey yet, God, wherever we are this morning, God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that as we talk about faithfulness, we're not talking about a faith that is, that is short or shallow. God, we're talking about a faith that is genuine and, and deep and everlasting. And God, we are so grateful for you. And God, I pray that we would practice gratitude this morning, Father, as we read your word, and God, that you would use it to work in our hearts. So we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you do. It's your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So, in looking at the text this morning, we're starting in James, and if you've heard me preach for a while, you'll know James is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love James. It is, one, because it's very practical. I'm one of those guys that likes those top 10 videos, like, you know, top 10 places to eat, or like top 10 episodes of like whatever TV show. I I just, I don't know what it is. I like top 10 lists. It's just a fun thing I, I enjoy. And so uh, what I like about the book of James is it kind of acts similar to that. It's a book full of very practical, tangible wisdom. Uh, in fact, it's actually been nicknamed the Proverbs of the New Testament because of how practical it is. And for me as a Christian, it is one that I walk to regularly to assess what are the ways that I need to be living and, and need to be acting out in my faith and my love for the Lord. And in fact, in counseling, this is a book that's gone to a lot because it's talking about conflict and talks about desires of the heart, talks about seeking wisdom and enduring difficult seasons and how we're supposed to see enduring through difficult seasons. And so um, this morning, we're not going to spend a ton of time in James, but I think it's important that as we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, that we give a little bit of framework. And what I mean by that is we want to see why is it that we can look at the story of Abraham and Isaac and see genuine faithfulness marked in this story? And one of the reasons why we can do that is because what James is teaching us here is James is teaching us that genuine faith saves and is shown in action, while non-genuine faith is dead and is not a saving faith. Now what James is not teaching us this morning is that our actions and our works are what save us. That's not what he's teaching. Rather, what he's trying to teach us is that in our faith, if we have faith, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, then that is evident in our actions. That our actions are going to reflect what's in our hearts. And so, how do we discern a genuine faith from a dead one? How can we tell if if our faith is genuine and alive. 
So the first is, if you're a note taker this morning, the first uh, uh, point that we have this morning is that genuine faith takes action. Genuine faith takes action. James 2, 15-17 gives us an example of James uh, talking about the need that someone has and the response to that need. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, and it does not have works, is dead. He's giving this example of a, a real tangible need that someone has. And someone, maybe in this scenario, has a way to meet that need, but rather than seeking to serve them and minister to them, they just go, okay, go, go in peace, be warmed and filled, rather than doing anything about it. Because if you're familiar with the book of James, you'll know that up to this point, James is hammering, hammering this point home that uh, true religion is caring for widows and orphans, that we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. That faith is about taking action. It's about doing something. Being a Christian is, is great, but being a Christian doesn't just say, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm a Christian and I go to church and that's where my faith lives and that's all I'm going to do. But, but rather, when it comes to having genuine faith, genuine faith shows itself in actions. It means that you're going to do the things that God calls you to do. It means that you're going to seek out ways to minister and serve. It means that when you are put through a storm or where God is calling you to something where you've got to step out and trust Him, that you're doing so. It's, it's action-oriented. Now again, he's not saying that these actions result in faith. That if you serve enough people or go to church enough or pray enough, that you then will become faithful. But rather, that when we have genuine faith, when we truly trust the Lord, it shows in the way we live. And so, in looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham's faith was marked by actions. Constantly throughout the Old Testament, when you look at Abraham's story, from beginning to end, his, his, his life is marked by stepping out in faith and God being faithful to Abraham. And so, when we look at Hebrews 11, 8-10 and 17-18, for example, it says this, uh, By faith Abraham obeyed, and he was called to go out to a place and he was to receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Can we stop up there for a second? First of all, have you ever been told to go somewhere, but you didn't know where you were going? I, I remember before I had a smartphone, uh, I was told to go to a certain restaurant, and I had just gotten my license, and it took me an hour and a half to get there. I couldn't find it. And it was so frustrating. And I kept going all around these neighborhoods. I had no idea where I was going. And so eventually I finally got to my destination. And shortly afterwards, my granny got me one of those like car GPS things. Because like I kept getting lost. I mean, nowadays, whenever we are asked, hey, go to this place or, or go to this restaurant, or go to this location, we want to know exactly where we're going, exactly what the journey is going to look like. What do we need to get there? How long is it going to take? What time do we need to get there? How do we get through traffic? And whatnot, but this is a situation where God is telling Abraham to go somewhere, and Abraham doesn't have all the details. But yet, Abraham goes in faithfulness to where God is directing him, to a land promised to him. And Abraham's life is marked by this attitude that Abraham follows after God, even when he doesn't know all the details of how, the, how it's going to end or how God's going to do it. Verse 9 By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, 
living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac your offspring shall be named. Abraham's life was marked with genuine faithfulness. Now, does that mean he was always 100% obedient and always 100% uh, without fault? No, absolutely not. If you're familiar with Abraham's story, he made a lot of mistakes. But over and over and over again, Abraham displayed his trust and his love for the Lord as he stepped out in faith. And that's why in Hebrews 11, when we look at the Hall of Faith, Abraham's story is one of the most pronounced stories in that passage. So Abraham was obedient to God. He was not passive in his faith. His, his life was marked by it. This one moment of faithfulness was not the only time that, that Abraham was faithful to God or that Abraham displayed genuine faith. So my second point is this. Genuine faith trusts God. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, especially if you take notes, hold on, Dustin, that was last week's main, one main point. Why, are you repeating points here? What's going on? The reason why I'm repeating that is because it's so important that genuine faith trusts God. Genuine faith trusts God. Just like in the story with the, with the official son going to Jesus, trusting his words that his son was healed and going home, Abraham also showed genuine faith in the way he trusted God with his son Isaac. And the way Isaac trusted his father and trusted God. There was, there, there's this aspect of faith that requires trust. And in every step of Abraham's life, in every step of yours and mine, there are going to be times where we have to completely trust God. Because we may not know exactly how he's going to work those things out. We are not made aware of God's plan for our lives at every step of the way. Sometimes there's question marks. Sometimes it seems dark. Sometimes it seems like we're not sure what God is going to do in a certain situation, but we are not called to understand it. We are called to trust Him in every step of the way. James 2, 21-23 says this, Was not Abraham our father? Justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And so he gives this example, one in which his readers would have very much known the story of Abraham and Isaac on what genuine faith, saving faith, that is alive looks like. So let's look at the story together. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 19. We're going to walk through this whole story together. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to get in Genesis 22 and, and walk along this story with me as we look at Abraham and Isaac. And even if you're very familiar with the story, I still would highly encourage you to follow along with me in your Bibles. So starting in verse 1, Genesis 22 says this. After these things, Abraham test, or God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, before we keep going, I want you to note 
that he says this again in the passage. And that any time there, there's this, this voice from either God or from an angel, Abraham is, is willing to listen and willing to do whatever it is they're asking him to do. He says, here I am. This is the kind of attitude that Abraham has. Here I am to listen. Here I am to be obedient. Here I am to do, God, what you are calling me to do. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moira and offer them there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. Notice in the passage, Abraham doesn't question God and what he's asking him to do. Now you have to understand, Isaac is the, is the promised child to Abraham and Sarah. This was, this was a whole situation where Abraham and Sarah were well beyond childbearing years, had no idea how God was going to do this. They tried to take matters in their own hands and, and get a baby into the world, and then that didn't really turn out all that great. Uh, and then finally God uh, brought in Isaac in a situation where these two people, Abraham and Sarah, could have never had a child. But God filled his promise and gave them Isaac, his son. And it was through Isaac that God would fulfill his promises to Abraham. And so whenever we see God telling Abraham to sacrifice his one only son, it kind of seems crazy to us, right? Like, why would God ask him to do that? Well, one of the things that we have to understand is, is Abraham, Isaac was, was, was the one Abraham loved the most. Isaac was one of the most important people to Abraham. And God is, although Isaac is incredibly important to Abraham, God was still supposed to be number one to Abraham, just like God is supposed to be number one to us. But in this moment, what Abraham shows us and what Abraham shows God is that God, or that Abraham loves God more. In this situation, Abraham loved, Abraham loved God more and, and knows that God has Isaac's best interest at heart too. Because later on in Hebrews 11, we actually get a picture of how Abraham thought about this. Because he knew that Isaac was the promised child. This is how much Abraham trusted God and, and knew that God was going to work all these things out. He genuinely believed that God, if if Abraham had, if Isaac had to be sacrificed, that God would in some way bring him back from the dead to fulfill his promise. That's how much Abraham trusted God. That he was willing to give up the, the person he loved the most if God asked him to. So let's see how the story plays out because it's an awesome story. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place to which God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went up, up together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father... And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went up to them together. You know what? I, the Bible doesn't tell us how this interaction went beyond this, but 
I can imagine that might have been a really awkward father-son road trip. <laughs> going up the mountain, you're going up to do a sacrifice, and you're just like, all right, Dad, where's the, where's the, where's the offering? And Abraham's like, God will provide the offering, and you're the one carrying all the stuff up there, and you're just, I mean, you might be feeling a little bit nervous at this point. Like, all right, Dad, what's going on? Like, did I make you mad or something? But no, that's not what's happening. And Because if you look at the, the attitude that Isaac has, one, Isaac trusts his father. In this situation, he said, when he said, God provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, both went up together. And then in verse 9, as they came to the place of the altar, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Isaac, the Bible doesn't tell us that he fought. The Bible doesn't tell us that he protested. But in this, it appears that Isaac is completely trusting Abraham with what's going on and completely trusting God. We miss that sometimes. When we read this story, our focus is on God and Abraham, but we sometimes miss out on how faithful Isaac was in this moment, that he trusted his father who trusted the Lord, and Isaac trusted the same God too. And so he's there on the altar on top of the wood, and then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, and he was ready to do it. But then verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. Here's that word again. Here I am. He's ready to listen, to be obedient to whatever it is God is calling him to do. And he said, do not lay your hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said in this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In this story, we see genuine faith. Abraham, not knowing how God was going to work all this out, trusted him and followed through with what God was calling him to do. Going up the mountain, he wasn't sure what was going to happen. But he knew that God was going to be faithful in his promises and God was going to be faithful in the end. However God was going to work that out, Abraham didn't know. But he had a full and unwavering trust of God. And then at the last moment, God provides the perfect sacrifice so that his son would live. And in that moment, what we see is we see that Abraham's faith was tested and Abraham passed. And then look what happens after this moment through this act of faithfulness. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven as the sand is on the seashore, and your offsprings, offsprings shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. They arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. Abraham had genuine, unwavering faith. Isaac had faith. Abraham followed through in obedience, and Abraham fully trusted God in every step of his story. See, Abraham trusted that God would still fulfill his promise and still be God, 
even if he didn't know how he was going to work it out. Hebrews eleven nineteen says, He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, which from figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. How much trust would it, would it take for someone to truly be able to, to see God in that way and to follow through in obedience? We, church, we should be living the same way. That's not to say that God's not going to ask us to sacrifice family members in this day and age. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that even if we don't fully understand why God is calling us to do something or in the way God is calling us to live, we don't have to understand every intricate detail. We are called not to understand everything, but to be faithful in everything. To trust God every step in the way. To know that God is in control of all things and God is sovereign over all things. And God has a plan that is bigger than you and I could ever imagine. And we don't know what our role in that plan is. We don't know in, in what way we're meant to work in that or work out in that. But we are not called to know everything. We are called to trust Him. And when it comes to having genuine faith, a genuine faith is a faith that trusts. And a genuine faith is one that steps out in action. To when God calls us to do something, we do it. Even if we don't fully understand every detail, even if we don't know how those actions are going to end, we are still called to be faithful in every step of the way. I love that this story also mirrors the Gospel. Right? We are... We are deserving of wrath and of sin against God. We cannot save ourselves. The Bible teaches that over and over and over again, that we, we cannot on our own save ourselves. James makes that clear that our works cannot save us. But God, in His love for us, gave us the perfect sacrifice through His Son Jesus so that through Him we can have eternal life. As Isaac carried the wood of the sacrifice and carried it up to the mountain, our Savior did the same with the cross. He bore the cross on His back and carried it up to be sacrificed for our sins. And just as God provided a sacrifice for Abraham, God provided the perfect sacrifice for us. But the difference is, that ram stayed dead. Jesus didn't. Salvation is confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, trusting and having faith in Him and believing in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, and then we'll be saved. Then through that, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and then we begin to live a life walking with God as He seeks to mold us and shape us into the image of His Son, Jesus. And if God can provide for Abraham and God provided a way for us to be saved, why do we struggle to trust God with our own lives? You know, I, I shared last week about you know the story of the, of the official son. How, you know, sometimes as parents, we, if you have children... It, it's, it's hard for us to imagine that there's people that love our kids more than we do. But the reality is before I ever knew my kids, before Victoria ever knew our kids, God knew our kids. And as much as I love my kids, as much as Victoria loves our kids, God loves them more and has a plan for each of them. And God loves us more than anyone else and He has a plan for each and every one of us. Why would we not trust the one who is in control of all things and knows all things? It just makes sense, but it requires us to have faith and to trust Him in every step of the way. This last point, as we begin to wrap up, is this, is that genuine faith bears fruit. When you look at what's happening in this passage, what happens with Abraham, is that 
Abraham's life began to manifest good fruit. As he was faithful to God and did the things God asked him to do, fruit began to bear in his life. Not because of the things that Abraham did alone, but because of the things that God did through him. And bearing good fruit only comes from salvation in the Holy Spirit. And this fruit is this evidence of our faith. It's the, it shows the condition of our heart. And through Abraham's genuine faith, more followed and suit. Because of Abraham's genuine faith, people came to know God and to trust Him. Because of His unwavering faith, we have a Savior who was born. And so our good works cannot save us. And that's what James declares. But James is simply stating that if you have faith, it will show in your life. If it doesn't, you need to ask yourself, is your faith genuine? So this morning as we have our time of invitation and Charlotte comes up and plays, the question I need to pose to you this morning is, is your faith genuine? Is your faith genuine? Is your faith alive? When you think about your faith and you think about your relationship with God, is there things in your life that that show that you truly have a relationship with Him. Maybe, you, maybe you're a newer believer and this is still a process for you and you're, you're walking through this, but if you've been a Christian for a long time or you say, I know the Lord, I know Jesus, then the question I have for you is, is how is that reflected in your life? Are you trusting God? Are you stepping out of faith when He's calling you to do something and you don't know exactly what that's going to look like? When, it, when there are needs and when there's ministry opportunities, are you taking advantage of those? Are you praying for people? Are you seeking to, to care for them? How is your life marked by faith? And if it's not, my question for you is, where is your heart? Is there something in your life that you love more than God? Is there something that's holding you back from truly trusting Him in every step of your life? This morning as we have our time of invitation, this is a moment for you to respond and to ask those questions. And if you want to come up and you need to pray with me or need to talk with me after service, I'd love to share more about what it means to trust the Lord faithfully. And so let's do this. Let's pray and we'll have our time of invitation. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the faithfulness of Abraham and Isaac. God, we thank you for the faithfulness that we see beyond them. Father, with, with Joseph. God, with Moses. God, with Rahab, as we see in James 2. God, with so many people that have followed after them in faithfulness. God, we've seen your, your faithfulness shine in their lives in every step of the way. But God, we've also seen that these people, they genuinely trusted you. And they stepped out in faith. And they, they held you as treasured, as, as higher in their own lives than anything else. And God, I just pray that for us this morning that we would do a thorough assessment of our hearts and ask ourselves, do we truly have faith in you? Do we truly trust you in every aspect of our lives? And does our life reflect that? And God, I pray that if it doesn't, God, I pray that if we, if we struggle to answer those questions, God, I pray that you would reveal to us, Father, the condition of our hearts and God, that we would share that with somebody in God, if anyone needs to process through that or just needs prayer or encouragement, God, I pray that if they would respond or they would come forward or see one of us after service. God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your son. It's his holy, the precious name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me?